Well, we're going to go ahead and get started. If you can make your way to your seats, that would be wonderful, please. If you have your Bibles, open up to Proverbs chapter 10. The last few weeks we've been going through the Summer of Wisdom, and we've been uh, calling this the, uh, it's a book study of Proverbs called Summer of Wisdom. That's the title we have been talking about. Of course, as you all have heard me say several times before, and I'll say it one more time, uh, this book of wisdom called Proverbs is a book of instruction that Solomon is giving to his sons. And Solomon, as we all know, was one of the wisest kings that ever lived on this earth. And uh, when faced with the opportunity from God to have anything that he would ask for, Solomon asked for wisdom. Today, I want to ask you a simple question. And that question is, are you ready to work? And... That question, as I ask that very question, I know what's going on in your minds. I can read minds. No, I can't really. But I can understand what you're thinking. At this moment in time, you're saying, wait a minute, it's Sunday. It's my day off. This is not a work day. What are you asking me if I want to work? The truth of the matter is is that Christianity and the way that Solomon is teaching his sons is something that was supposed to be an everyday occurrence. It was supposed to be something that was changing his, their lives. Solomon is sharing these wisdoms, these quotes of wisdom, if you will, to his sons to get them to understand, first of all, that God is good. All the time. God is good, that's right. And so, Solomon is teaching his sons these things, but he's also going through and he's teaching his sons many other things too. If you look at the book of Sol- uh, the book of Solomon, the book of Proverbs, you will find Solomon teaching about wisdom and what wisdom is all the way up to about chapter ten. And then once you jump into chapter ten, what happens is there begins to be these one-liners, if you will. Now, as a pastor who likes to preach through stories and preach through passages, it's very hard for me to look at Proverbs and for any other pastor that preaches this way and say, "Okay, how can I preach through?" Proverbs chapter 10, when there's about 15, 20 different topics in there. It's very hard to do that. And obviously you can't take one bit of uh, passage and begin to uh, and do each one of those. We'd be here for the next 50 years going through Proverbs. And so what we have to do is we have to look at and we have to realize that Solomon is actually putting together certain things within Proverbs ideas, if you will, of what Proverbs is talking about. And so Solomon begins this chapter 10, or he begins to uh, lay out in chapter 10, about being prudent, about being aware of what's going on around you, about being in tune, if you will, with your Christianity. It's interesting because as humans, what we often do is we often compartmentalize, if I can use that as a word. I believe that's a word. Isn't that a word? Yes. Um, so what, as humans, what we do is we take things in our life and we put them in neat little boxes and we store them in those boxes. Now, it is a very common practice in the business world to teach people how to schedule things. 
right? When you're scheduling and you're looking at your calendar, you're like, okay, I'm going to schedule things. I remember when I was first in the business world, my uh, good friend who, or who became a good friend, my vice president comes to me and he says, Jason, listen, I love that you respond to phone calls and emails so quickly, but you know what? That's going to kill you. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? And he says, you have to find time. Take in your schedule and you put an hour of, I'm going to respond to emails and then I'm going to do this and you're going to move on because otherwise you're going to always be trying to respond to emails. Zig Ziglar, a famous uh, gentleman who does scheduling and, and business mindset and thoughtfulness, and he says that when you understand that your life is not in boxes, but instead who you are, you can be free to be who God created you to be. Again, though, we often think about this. If you wake up in the morning, what's the very first thing that's on our mind most of the time? Well, okay, let, let me rephrase that. What's on my mind, the first thing I wake up in the morning is, what's for breakfast? Right? Or coffee. I don't drink coffee. I know I'm weird, right? But most people say, I either want coffee or I want something to eat. And so you begin to think about that, and you go, and what do you do? You go and you make breakfast or you make coffee. And you sit down and you have to drink that cup of coffee or you have to eat that breakfast. And when you're done with that, you can go, okay, now I can face today. What's next? on my task list of things to do. What ends up happening for us as humans, and we often, as, as people, we often, uh, if we have anything other than humans, I was just laughing at this because in my notes I say, as humans, and I'm thinking to myself, do we have any other people other than humans here? No, I don't think we do, so we're okay. But as people, what we do is we often like to put things in these neat little sections of life. I can handle it if it falls within this section. I can do these things. When I go to work, I'm going to put on my work hat, if you will, and I'm going to go to work. When someone comes over to visit my house, I can put on my visitation hat, if you will, and I can begin to think about what I'm going to say to that person and talk. My wife and I are very different people, and, and I used to joke with my wife all the time because she is, as much as she looks to be an extrovert, she is very much an introvert. And she likes to be quiet. She likes to kind of be to herself a little bit. And so when we used to go to visit many of your homes or visit you, she would say in the car ride over, all right, what can I talk about when I get there? And we begin to talk. I'm like, what do you mean, what can you talk about? We're going to talk about life and just whatever the conversation goes. And she's like, I'm not that type of person. I have to have, like, in my mind things I can talk about. And it was way different for me. That's not who I am. That's not how I am. I just, well naturally talk a lot, I guess. So, <laughs> But what happens is, in, even in whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, what we normally do as people is we normally like to put things in certain packages, if you will, in certain boxes. When I go to work, I can be a worker. When I come home, I can be a father. When I go here, I can be a husband. When I'm with my wife, I can be a husband. When I'm with my granddaughter, I can be a grandpa. I can be, or papa, as she as we're trying to get her to call me. Uh, so we do all of these things, right? The problem with this, and that works fine for most things in life, but the problem with this is that does not work well with faith. Jesus never called you to take a, your faith and say, I'm going to put on my faith card when I go to church on Sunday morning. And maybe Wednesday nights, maybe when I pray, maybe when I do these things. So when we go to work, we begin to think that we are now, I'm going to work, and we hopefully don't forget our Christianity, but we leave our Christianity, our relationship with Christ, 
in the back because we're now focused on work. Now listen, if you're not focused on work when you're on your job, you're probably going to be fired, right? That's, you have to focus on your job. But the truth of the matter is, is that we have to always be ready to do the work of the Lord. We have to always be ready to do what the Lord has called us to do. In this particular case, Solomon is telling his sons in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 5, that he who gathers, sorry Paul, I have control now, Paul, up here, so, uh, he who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in a harvest is a son who brings shame. So Solomon in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 5, is saying, He who gathers in the summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in the harvest is a son who brings shame. Now, if you have done any farming, any gardening, any, any, anything along those lines, you know that if you do not take advantage of the time that you're given, what's going to happen? You're going to lose out. We were just talking about hay season, right? If you wait to cut hay, the hay is not going to be good. If you wait to trim the branches of a fruit tree and you do that, then you're probably not going to get a good yield. And what happens is all in life, there is this season of time when you're supposed to be doing things. And what happens is flow that happens. But what Solomon is saying to his sons is that let's not wait, let's not be quiet, let's not sleep during a time when we need to be working, a time when we need to be pressing forward, a time when we need to be doing the very things that God has called us to do. Solomon is sharing this with his sons because Solomon knows above all that if you don't focus on the Lord, your mind will be replaced with something else. Let's pause and pray, and then we'll jump into the rest of the sermon. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the wisdom of Solomon. We thank you for this book of Proverbs. And Lord, we ask you today that you would help us to be standing and ready to face, to come and do the work that you have called us to do, to be ready to share the gospel of Christ with all of those that are around us. Lord, Solomon also said, for there is a season and there is a time for everything. But Lord, we also know that our relationship with you calls us to be 24-7, calls us to be Christians, calls us to be changed by who we are. And so today, Lord, we ask you that you help us to understand what it means to be on the ready for you, to hear you even during the times when we may be at rest to hear you when we may be at times of work, to know that we are prudent and ready to take advantage of the seasons that you have given to us. Lord, you have created us for a time such as these, and you have employed us and empowered us to do the things that you have called us to do. So help us today, Lord, as we go forward to do that will, to know that we stand ready with our lamps trimmed and burning, ready to see the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ and that we can overcome all things that face us here on this earth. Lord, we ask you that you just remove any hindrances from our minds and from our ears that would stop us from hearing from you today. Guide us and direct us in all things, and we'll be sure to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise, because you deserve that and so much more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The issue that we often find ourselves is that too often what we do is when we come to church, we act act very holy. 
When we walk in the door, listen, as a pastor, I see it all the time. I can tell that people, and when I, when I uh, introduce myself as a pastor, I have, I have said this before, I'll probably continue to say this, because every time I meet someone, when I don't tell them I'm a pastor, their language is way different. And as soon as you tell them you're a pastor, their language is like, oh, it's cleaned up, it's a blessed day. When before they were just telling me something else and, and using language that they probably would not have used to a pastor. The truth of the matter is, is that almost everyone becomes more holy on Sunday when you come to church. And when I say almost everyone, what I mean is that this is a holy place, uh, regardless of where you're at. We are the church. We are the people. So when we gather together to serve the Lord, what we are doing is we are standing in his presence, and it's an amazing thing. The problem of this is that are we as holy as we are on Sunday morning when we're driving to work and someone cuts us off? When I say holy, I'm not talking about holy, the language you're using. I'm talking about having God inside of you. Are you as holy when you are sharing the love of, or when you're sharing, or should be sharing love with a coworker who's absolutely driving you nuts? Or how about when your child is screaming at the top of their lungs because you didn't give them what they wanted? Do you find yourself holy then? Do you find yourself holy when you're standing before your friends that may not go to church, are not Christians, and they are asking and, and, or maybe doing something that you should not be doing? Do you find yourself as holy then as what you do on Sunday morning? The answer to that question is, of course, if we are real with ourselves, is no. There are many times in our life when we are not as holy as we should be. And what we find is that oftentimes we become a, too many Christians become a Sunday morning Christian. Meaning on Sunday morning, they follow the word of God. They come here, they sing these songs that the worship team sings, and they pretend to have this faith and do all of these things, but their faith has not changed them. Their faith may have changed them on Sunday morning, but has their faith changed them on Tuesday night? Has their faith changed them on Friday night? Has their faith changed them during the week? That question that we have to ask is, are we at the ready at all times, allowing the Lord to do his work, not just on Sunday morning, not just when we're praying, not just when we're meeting with the pastor, but at all times and everywhere we go? That question has to be asked, and it's a prudent question that Solomon is asking his son, and he says, he who gathers in the summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in the harvest is a son who brings shame. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. Now, what I want to ask you again today, and what I want you to understand is that one Paul is writing to Timothy in this lesson and in this letter. He's not just saying this to Timothy as a preacher. He's saying that we all have to be ready. I te- Pastor Chaz and I tease all the time when we ask Pastor Chaz, what are the three things that we're ready to do at all times, Pastor Chaz? Preach, pray, and die. Preach, pray, and die. That's right. Amen. So at all times, we are ready to preach, pray, and die. Now, listen, as Christians, as individuals who are not pastors... 
We also have to be ready to share the gospel. We also have to be ready to pray. And we also have to be ready to die. Now those might seem uh, weird, but let's be, let's be honest for a moment. When the Lord gives you an opportunity and places someone before you, and maybe it's on a Monday or Tuesday morning when you go to work, and that person comes to you and says, I've had the worst weekend. My wife said that she's leaving me. My in-laws, uh, or my in-laws are driving me nuts. I have a family member who's sick. All of these things are going on, and I just don't know how to handle it. I'm at the wit's end. I don't, I, you know, I just, I'm done. What do you say to that person? Oh, I'm sorry you feel that way. I'll pray for you tonight when I say my prayers. You can, you can say that. There's nothing wrong with that. But what would be more powerful is if you just go, listen, let me, let me just put my arm on your, or put my hand on your shoulder. Lord, bless him. Bless her. Now listen, I know in most jobs, we can't go and we're not going to be sharing the gospel with people. That's something that we have to be, or we can, we should be, but we have to be aware of that. I'm not asking you to open up the Bible and give a Bible lesson on work time unless you're able to do that. If you're able to do that, go for it. But most of the time, what we have to do is we have to be ready to share the gospel of Christ. That's what Paul is telling Timothy. Be ready to preach. Be ready to share the gospel message that was given to you. Again, my question to you is, are you ready? Are you ready to do these things that the Lord has called us to do? Timothy was ready. Timothy was being told by Paul to be ready at all times. Even though you may think this is only for pastors, and I'm trying to explain to you is not, what my question for you is, are you ready? Are you ready to share Christ on the job? Are you ready to share Christ or walk with Christ when bad things happen to you? When things are crashing and burning around you and all things seem to be going bad, do you revert back to that stage that you're without Christ and begin to say there's no hope and they're all everything is lost and I can't go any further and the world should just end and all of these things? Listen, we've all been there. We know that. But at that time, we have to be ready more than any time to say, I'm ready to follow Christ. How about when the doctors give us a really bad report? And we're standing before the doctors, and the doctor's telling us, you're going to have cancer, or you're going to have this, or you're going to have all of these problems, and we're facing all of these problems. What do you do? Are you ready to serve God at that time? See, at all points, Christianity, our walk with Christ, needs to change us in everything that we do and say. We have to stop allowing God to just change us on certain times and understand that God is calling you and I to be changed always. Ephesians chapter 4 says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds, They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned in Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus... To put on your old, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through de- deceitful desires. Easy for me to say. And to be renewed in the spirit of minds, and to put on the new self, created after likeness of God in the true righteousness 
and holiness. Listen, the simple fact is this. When you come before the Lord Jesus Christ, and you stand before him, and you say you've come to the end of yourself, you know what he has done on the cross, how he died on the cross for your sins, how he asked to, as he paid that penalty, that price that was made for you. When he's done all of those things, and you stand before him, and you accept him as your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you ask him into your heart, and you say, I want to be saved. I want to have an eternity with you. When you do those things, what happens is the Lord wants to give you a new life. He wants to put on this new creation to you. He wants you to let go of that old self. He wants you to let it go and and just cast it off and accept all these new things from him. And so what happens is that he begins to change you if you allow him to change you. He will change the way that you act. He will change the way that you talk. He will change the way that all of these things, if you only allow him to do those things. What happens with most people, however, is that we eagerly are ready to give certain things up. We're eagerly ready to give up the things that have been bothering us. Lord, I want you to take this over. I I don't like the way that I act. I don't like what I say when I do these things, so I'm turning these things over to you. But then we like to hang on to little bits and pieces. We like to grasp a hold of those things, and we keep hold of them. And then what happens is that when we should be at the ready to share Christ, we find ourselves instead deep in our old self because we haven't fully let go of all of those things. We're not ready in season. We haven't dealt with the difficult parts. The truth of the matter is, is that a changed life means at all times, not just when we need to be changed. See, what we often do is that we want God to change certain areas of our life, but we don't give him control to change all areas of our life. And so what we do is we hang on to those things that seem to bring us joy, seem to bring us happiness, seem to bring us things that may not be in him. And so we hang on to those things, we grasp a hold of those things tightly, and we begin to hang on to our old self instead of our new self. God's direction in our life means that we should change us forever in every way. Not just on Sunday mornings, not just when we pray, not just when we go to Bible study, but every single day, every moment of the time, your life should be changed. I once had a conversation with a young man, and and, um, he was in college, and he came up to me and he said, Pastor, I just want to tell you that, uh, asked me if I would pray for him. I said, yes, I'd pray for him. And as we were sitting there, he said, you know what, I'm, a, uh, I'm an athlete who's a Christian. And I know what he was trying to say, and, and he's trying to tell me that he follows the Lord, and, and, and uh, that meant something to him, and that was wonderful. And I said, can I correct you for a moment? And he said, yeah, what do you mean? And I said, being an athlete who is a Christian is great. But what's better is a Christian who's an athlete. It's a small change of words. But if you understand what we just did there, instead of seeing an athlete who is a Christian, you're a Christian who is an athlete. 
What happens is when you begin to change that focus of your mind and you begin to put and say, I am a Christian. I stand on the word of God. I stand on everything. And everything that flows out of me is out of that first. First is my life in Christ. First is my relationship with him. First is all of those things. And then everything else that flows out of that is added to that. And that's wonderful. We should never tell ourselves that we are a shipping person who is a Christian. We should never say that we are a businessman who is a Christian. No, we are a Christian who also does business. I am, Chaz is a pastor and a Christian who works at Goodyear. He doesn't work at Goodyear as a Christian. He's a Christian who works at Goodyear. The reason why this is so important and the reason why this is such an important part is because when we begin to take upon that realization that I am first a Christian, then our life begins to flow out of that and everything changes. And then we can begin to see that we are not just, you don't have to be, listen, you don't have to be a pastor to share the word of God. You don't have to be a pastor I, 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 I hear this quite often, and that question always is, you know, I feel called to ministry. You do? Oh, great. Okay. Awesome. So you're called to ministry. You want to be, a, you want to be in ministry. You want to be a pastor. You want to, you want to uh, join the church and be part of the, the, the uh, team, and you want to be on, on uh, staff with a church and all of those things. And it's not that I tell people not to do that. But just think about it for a moment. If we would all be ministers of the word of God in the job that we're at today, just think of the difference the world would make. Do you know that people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ not just at church on Sunday morning? It can happen on your job. It can happen at your home. It can happen while you're hanging out with friends. It can happen anywhere. Why? Because you don't have to bring them to church to have them win and hear the word of God. You can be the word of God to those people. And so we are called to be that way. We are called to allow God to change us in such ways that when we go before him, he looks upon us and he sees our changed life. God wants to change your life, but he wants to change every aspect of it, not just Sunday morning, not just Wednesday night, not just whatever you decide to go to church. He wants to change every aspect of your life. We have to be willing to give it over to him. We have to be willing to let go and let God, as they say. We need to be willing to hand it over to him and say, it is yours, Lord. I want you to guide me. I want you to challenge me. Why? Because certainly if we keep a hold of something of our old self, guess what? Satan is going to attack first. He's going to attack that old self that you haven't let go to God. You haven't given it over to God. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's some type of impurity. So maybe, maybe it's uh, thinking in your mind or things that you see with your eyes and you grasp a hold of those things. When you don't let go of those things and you don't give them over to God, what's going to happen is that Satan is going to attack you at those very spots. But when you give them over to God, God begins to change your life. He begins to change the way you look at things. He begins to change the way you respect things. For many years, I worked in the business field, as you all know, and, and I used to, with a friend, a good friend of mine, we used to take a drive at lunchtime, and we'd drive down the streets. And as we would drive down the streets, as men, we were very visual creatures, and so when he would see someone that appealed to his eyes, he would do this kind of thing. I'd be driving, and he'd go like this. I'm driving, so I'm not doing that, of course. And he goes, did you see that? And I said, absolutely not. And he said, why? And I said, because I don't need to look at anyone else. I have my wife. 
The Lord has changed my eyes to only be appealed to my wife, not anything else, and not anyone else. And he says to me, he goes, what do you mean? And I said, well, listen, I said simply this. When I became a Christian, that desire and all of those things that were in me, I gave over to the Lord. Because I don't want to deal with those things. I don't want to have to look upon others in that way. He began to question me, and he goes, okay, wait a minute. I can understand a little bit. But he goes, what about other things? And I said, it's true. When I gave my life to Christ, I gave everything to him. And I want him to change everything who I am inside. And, and at that moment in time, it was perfectly scripted. Someone pulled right in front of me. <laughs> and I had to slam on my brakes. I was close to hitting a person. And the very first thought that came through my mind was, I wanted to rage, right? And then I thought to myself, I just told him that I allowed Christ to change everything in my life. And I bit my tongue so hard that I cut my tongue. Because <laughs> I wasn't going to allow it to change. When we come to Jesus Christ as our Savior, he wants to change your whole entire life. Solomon, through all of Proverbs, I just used one verse, but all of Proverbs, what Solomon is telling his sons is don't be sluggards. Don't relax when you should be working. Don't take a break when there's work to be done. This past week, I had the wonderful opportunity to dig a ditch in the back part of my yard. It was muddy, it was gross, it was sweaty, it was hot, it was all of those things. But on top of all of that, I had to redo what I had done about five years ago. Why? Because five years ago, and my lovely, wonderful family member, cousin, pointed this out to me, but five years ago when I put this in and I did this work, I didn't do it correctly. And so I had to redo the work that I did five years ago. And as I sat there and I'm digging this trench and I'm sweating and it's muddy and there's mosquitoes and bugs and all those stuff around, and I'm thinking to myself, there has to be something in this that I can learn. And just then the Lord goes, if you would have done it right the first time, guess what? You wouldn't have to do it again. Now, it wasn't a verbal, it wasn't God. I didn't hear the whisper in the trees or anything like that, but I really felt impressed in my head that God was just saying almost, now this wouldn't be God, this was me speaking, but you dummy, if you would have done it correct the first time, you wouldn't have to redo it. As I sat there and I thought about that for a moment, I'm like, you know what, Lord, you're right. If I would have just put the energy and effort in the first time to do this, I wouldn't have to do it again. Now, why do I bring this story up? I bring this story up is because many of us, when we give our life to Christ, we don't give him everything. We hang on to stuff. We don't change our life completely. And then what happens is through our life and through this period of time, things need to be changed in our life, and we have to go through the same lesson over and over and over again. I, I see most of you shaking your head yes, because you know what I'm talking about. See, the Lord wants us to be changed in everything. And if he has to give you a ditch that you have to redo every five years because you didn't do it right the first time, then guess what? He's going to give you a ditch to dig, and you're going to have to redig that ditch again. And in five years, if I didn't do it right this time, in five years, guess what's going to happen? I'm probably going to have to do it again. 
is a lesson to be learned here because the Lord wants us to change our life completely. At all times, at all things, our life needs to be changed for him. We need to be Christians who do whatever we do, not be whoever we do and just happens to be Christians. We have to allow him to change our life, to be standing at the ready, ready to go when the Lord calls. See, the truth of the matter is, is that if we look at Proverbs chapter 10, verse 5, Solomon is very clear in what he's saying. If you wait in the summer and you don't gather, what happens? My wife and I love to, uh, we have two grapevines in the back of our yard and we love to grow grapes. And in the years past, uh, we've had a very abundant harvest of grapes, over hundreds of 175 pounds one year that we got of grapes, Concord grapes, wonderful grapes. But over the past few years, we've been having lots of problems with something called black rot. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but basically what it does is it, it makes the leaf, uh, it forms a little rest spot on the leaf, and then eventually what happens is the grape will dry completely up and fall off the vine. And a few years ago, <clears throat> I took the leaf and I took the grape into a, a horticulture culturist, easy for me to say, but I took it into there and I asked this gentleman, I said, what do I do with this? And he said, oh, that's black rot. And I said, yeah, absolutely. He's, oh, it's easy to fix. I said, it is? That's great. He goes, yeah. He goes, it's easy to fix, but you probably won't have success. And I looked at him and I said, what do you mean? And he goes, it's easy to fix, but you have to learn to spray every other day for almost a month and a half. And so you spray these grapes every other day for a month and a half. And you know what? Four years later, I'm still battling black rot. Why? Because I have not learned to spray those grapes every other day. And I'm still fighting this. And so now this year, I've made it a, I've made it a point. I'm going to go out and spray these grapes every other day. And so every other day, I go out and do that. And guess what's happening? That black rot is going away. We're not dealing with this. What's the moral of the story? The moral of the story is that when God changes your life, if you stick with it, if you keep doing these things, if you keep allowing the Lord to change, if you keep pressing into the relationship that you have with him, if you keep reading your scriptures, if you keep opening up your Bible and asking the Lord, speak to me today, and you keep pressing in, guess what's going to happen? That black rot that's all inside of us, that evilness that we, don't, that we never let go to God, it's going to go away. Why? Because where God is, sin can't be. Where God resides in our hearts, sin cannot be there. God and sin cannot be side by side with each other. One or the other is, gonna, is going to control you. If you allow God to control you, then sin will eventually go away. Now, will we become perfect? No, not on this earth. We won't become perfect until we enter into the gates of heaven with Jesus Christ. But every single day that we press in and we, and we ask the Lord to be inside of our heart, and every day that we make those wise decisions, those choices that Solomon is telling his son to be, to be prudent and to gather when we need to gather, to stand and be ready, then what happens is those things that are inside of us will go away. Why? They have to. They have to go away when God is there. And so my challenge to you today is very much this. Are you ready to let God work in every way of your life? Are you ready to let God do what he needs to do? It's easy for you to sit here and say, yes, I am. I'm ready for God to do the work in my life where 
everything is such a struggle. Yes, I'm ready to let God repair my health. Yes, I'm ready to let God repair my broken relationships. Yes, I'm ready to to let God do all of those things. I'm ready to accept the blessings of God. Let them fall upon me. But the question really isn't, are you ready for those things? The question really is, are you ready to let God work on those areas that you've kept hidden from him for all of those years? Are you ready to let him and break open those dark spaces inside of your life and say, I want to be like him? Sin wants the darkness. It wants you to be quiet. It wants you to stay hidden. God wants you to be in the light. God is light. And so therefore, he wants you to let go and let him take care of those things inside of you. But what that means is that you have to be on the ready every day. You have to be prudent. You have to be persistent. You have to persevere. You have to do the things that God has called you to do. And when the attacks come, and I guarantee you they will come, those desires are going to rally, uh, rally, rile up inside of you. They're going to come at, they're going to come at you. And when they do, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do about that? What are you going to do when the old soul starts to kick up inside of you and calls for you to go and do what you used to do? That very question we have to ask. If you're ready to fight those temptations, if you're ready to fight those desires, if you're ready to do those things, what's going to happen is that you're going to search and you're going to seek after God and you're going to ask him to come into your heart. And when you do that and you're going to ask him for the strength, and guess what? Sometimes you're going to have to take that step. You can ask Cheddar Man over here. What I've told Cheddar Man a hundred times. His nickname's Cheddar Man, if you didn't know that, by the way. But sometimes you have to, what step are you willing to go? What step? How far are you willing to go? How far are you willing to give up that old self? Are you willing to take that old self and destroy it? Are you willing to take those things that are calling you back in? Are you willing to take those sins and those things that cause you to sin, and are you willing to throw them away? Because that is what we become when we are at the ready for Christ. We're willing to sacrifice anything. Why? Not because we like losing things. Not because we like the struggle of fighting temptations. No, it's because the blessings that God gives in return. A life filled with Jesus is so much better than a life filled with any darkness that you can receive in this world. A life filled with Jesus is so much better than anything that you can grasp your hands on here on this earth. Everything that we grasp upon here on this earth is fleeting and is decaying away. The only thing that is not is our life with Jesus Christ. That's what's permanent. That's What's here? Now, let me go even one step further. If you're willing to let go of all of those sins, guess what happens? People begin to notice that. People begin to notice that you're changed. People begin to ask you questions like, why are you so different? Why are you acting different? Why are you talking different? Why are you, are you, you becoming one of those holy rulers? Yes, ma'am, I am. (laughs) The truth of the matter is is that when our life changes, people ask questions. You want to be a testimony? You want to see life? You want to see life and your you want to see your life change? You want to see other people's life change? Then change the things that are a problem with you. And it'll start changing others' lives around you. Nothing better. Then when, when someone in the family comes to know Christ and they begin to accept who he is and begin to accept all of those things, 
the cycle down effect of the, uh, what's that called? The water down effect where water rolls down the hill. Trickle down, thank you. The trickle down effect happens in the rest of the family. God has called us to be ready all the time. We need to be Christians who are ready in our home. We need to be Christians who are ready in our body. And we need to be Christians who are ready when we go out from this place. We need Christians. We need people who follow God, who aren't afraid to stand up and say, I stand for God. I don't care what the world around me says. I don't care what's going on. I am ready at all times to do his work. That's what the Lord is calling us to do. That's what Solomon is calling his sons to be ready at all times. When I ask you, are you ready? I'm asking you, is Jesus a part of your everyday life? Do you let Jesus change the way that you work? Do you let him change the way that you act? Do you let him change the way that you talk? Do you let him change every aspect of your life? That's the question that I ask when I say, are you ready? The reason why this is important is because we are the visible display of Jesus Christ on this earth. When people see us as Christians, guess what do they see? They should be seeing Jesus Christ. But do they? Do they see a changed heart? Or do they see someone who's dabbling in the sin of their old self while they're still trying to have a foot in their new self over here? It doesn't work that way. He's called us to be one way or another. With him or without him. Are you for him or are you against him? Are you ready or are you not ready? I used to tell my son in the mornings as we were getting ready for school, as he was getting ready for school, or we were getting ready for somewhere, I'm like, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. He'd walk out and he would have one sock on. He'd barely have his pants on. He wouldn't have a shirt on. And I'm like, dude, that's not being ready. Ready is mean I have my shoes on, I have my clothes on, I'm ready to go. And he'd go, oh, that's all right, I was reading a book, or I was petting the dog, or something like that. And so he'd go back, and 20 minutes later, he'd come back, and he'd say, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. He had one sock on, but he wouldn't have a shirt on, wouldn't have his shoes on. Dude, that's not ready. Get ready. We are leaving without you. And you could ask my wife, we would often do this. We'd go get in the car, and we'd wait in the car while he was getting ready. And he would come out, love him to death, but he would come out, and he'd mosey out. We're 20 minutes now late to where we're going. He'd mosey out. Oh, come here, Nick. Come here, Rude. He'd bend down and he'd be petting him. Isn't this great? And we're sitting in the car and I'm fuming. My head's about ready to explode because now we're going to be late to wherever we're going and he's not ready. And I said to him, I said, Zach, when I say, are you ready? I mean, are you ready? Are you in the car? Are you seated, are you seated in the seat of the car? Are you, do you have everything on? Do I not have to go back and pick up your clothes or whatever else? Are you here? Well, yeah, I was here. No, you were supposed to be here 20 minutes ago. Fast forward many days later, many weeks later, many, I think it was even years later, I asked him, I said, we are leaving at this time. If you're not in the car, you have to stay at home. And so we walked out. I asked him, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. He walks out. He doesn't have any, he, he's not dressed appropriately, I should say, and what he was supposed to wear. And I said, well, listen, we are walking out the door now. If you're not in the car, you don't get to go with us. We got in the car and he wasn't there. And so we backed out of the garage and drove away. <laughs> we got a call from him as we were getting down the road. Where'd you guys go? I asked you if you are ready. You weren't in the car. We have to leave. Are you going to come back and get me? No, sir, we are not. You're home alone. What am I going to do for dinner? I don't care. You have to figure it out yourself. And we did. We left him out at home. I share this story because 
some of you in this room may say, I'm getting ready, but I'm not ready yet. Some of you in this room may be saying, I'm waiting for this to happen, and then I'll be ready. I want this to change inside of me, and then I'll be ready. I want this to happen, and then I'll be ready. I want all of this stuff. God's not waiting. The, the verse that I used before was that the, uh, the bride, bridesmaids, Matthew chapter, uh, I forget what chapter it is, I'm sorry, but in Matthew, uh, Jesus is speaking about and giving a parable of the bridesmaids, and he says, the bridesmaids will have their lamps trimmed and burning, waiting for the groomsmen to come back, waiting for the groom to come. What that means is that you can't just wait and say, I'll be ready tomorrow or I'll be ready next week. You have to be ready today. God is asking you to make a choice. Are you ready to follow Jesus Christ today? Are you ready to give him everything? Are you ready to stand up and say, if Jesus came back today, if he came back this very moment, would you be ready to follow him? That's the question that we have to ask. And I'm not just asking that in a church full of a bunch of Christians. I'm asking that for all of you. Because just because you call yourself a Christian doesn't mean that you're ready. Truth of the matter is, is that many of us need to take a really hard look at ourselves and say, am I truly ready? Am I truly following Jesus the way that I should? And if I am, then I can be ready. Will the worship team come and will you stand with me, please? season is coming. You know, someone asked me the other day, uh, they said, how long do you think until the Lord returns? I said, two hours, 35 minutes, and 46 seconds. Like, what? I don't know. I just totally pulled something out of my behind. I don't know. I said, I have no idea. The Lord tells us not to, that we don't know the hour of the day, right? We don't. We don't know when the Lord is going to return. We do know that he's going to return sometime. We are promised that. In Scripture, we are promised that the Lord is going to return. Scripture tells us over and over and over again, what do we need to do? We need to be ready. We need to be ready to respond. We need to be ready to act. We need to have our our limbs. We need to have our lamps trimmed and burned and ready to go. That means when the Lord comes, whether it's darkness or daylight, we'll be ready. We have to be into this point of life when we're saying, listen, I'm ready to go. What that means is that all of us in this room have to put ourselves before the Lord and say, Lord, is there anything in my life that's keeping me from being ready? Do I have my socks on? Do I have my pants on? Do I have my shirt on? Do I have all of these things? Do I have my car keys? Am I sitting in the car? Am I ready to go? Now, listen, does the Lord care about your pants and your socks? and all? No, he doesn't. I'm using that as an illustration if you didn't catch the drift of that. What we really have to worry about is, is our heart right with Jesus. Am I a Christian who is an artist? Am I a Christian who is a pastor? Am I a Christian who is a school teacher? Am I a Christian who works in an office? Am I a Christian who works in a factory? Am I a Christian who works in the grocery store? Or are you a grocery store worker who happens to be a Christian? There's a big difference there. When you are ready to follow Christ, he changes everything inside of you. He changes all that you are. No longer do you desire to go down the path of the evil, you desire to do good. But does that mean that you'll always know the desire, desires are still there? 
but it means that you have the tools by following Christ to say, I'm going to turn away from those desires and instead I'm going to look towards Jesus. Now, listen, you can call me a crazy pastor, you can call me whatever you want, but if you are struggling with some type of sin in your life and you begin to fall into that temptation, the very best thing you can do is open up your scripture and start praying to God. Or call someone who's a Christian and say, listen, I'm struggling with this, I need your help. Why? Because they're going to pull you out of it. They're going to help you. They're going to explain to you why you shouldn't be falling into that temptation. Solomon was very clear to his sons not to wait, not to fall asleep, but to be prudent and awake. My question to you is, are you awake today? Are you ready to follow Jesus Christ at any moment? If he were to come down to this earth this very moment and judge you, where would you find yourself standing? Would you find yourself standing with him or against him? If you walked out of this place today, could people know that you're a Christian by the way that you acted? Would people know that you're a Christian by the way that you talked? by the way that you served or didn't serve other people? How about your spouses? Would they know that you're Christians? If they weren't a Christian, would they know that you were? How about your kids? You didn't bring your kids to church and you just had to go home and you had to sit down before them. Would they know? Would they look at you and say, I can tell because you love to pray, you love to read the Bible, you love to spend time before the Lord, that you are a Christian? What does your life say about you? See, the truth of the matter is, is if we want to boil all of this down, the actions of our heart and our life tell us exactly where we are at in our faith with Jesus. Tells us whether we are ready or not. I believe today that Jesus changes everything. We are the ones that get in the middle. We are the ones that stop him from changing every moment of our life Jesus wants us to follow him a hundred percent of the time always not just when it's convenient not just when it fits our needs but always I believe today Jesus is ready to change some lives but the question really goes to us are we ready or willing I pray that you are Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for who you are. We thank you again for the wisdom of Solomon. Lord, I thank you for the power of changed lives. I thank you for the work that you do in our lives to change us, Father. All of us every part of us. And Father, I pray that today as we come before you, if there's an area of our life where we have not given over to you, if there's something that we've held on to tightly, may we give it over to you today. May we easily and willingly say it is much better at the foot of the cross than it is for me hanging on tightly of this. And so I give it over to you today. Lord, I pray today, whether you're here in this room or you're watching online at home, 
that today the power of Jesus Christ will just come over you and change every aspect of your life. I believe that Jesus wants you not to stay the same. That he wants to change you. And it starts with a life that is secured in him. We secure our life in him by doing what Romans 10 chapter 9 says. And that is confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in our hearts in the sacrifice. And that he is our savior and our king. When we do that, when we say those words, he grants us eternity with him and a changed life forever. So if you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, may today be that day where you say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Be my king. Be my savior. I speak from my heart and from my mouth. You are my Lord and savior. If you're here today and you've said those words, but somehow you've not given over every to, everything to him, may today be that day when you finally let go of those things that you've held on so tightly that have kept you away from a full life in Jesus. That you freely just say, here, Lord, I've given it to you. you, you I, I can't, I don't want to hang on to it anymore. I need you to change my desires, I need you to change my thoughts, I need you to change my walk, my talk, everything about me. I give it over to you, Lord. May today be that day. If you're here today, may you join Amelia and give everything over to the Lord today. If you're here today and you've given everything over to Him, may we pray to the Lord that He would use us as followers of Christ in every aspect of our life. That we would say, Lord, I am ready to be a Christian who does work. I'm ready to be a Christian who is a father. I'm ready to be a Christian who is a husband. I'm ready to be a Christian who is a brother. I'm ready to be a Christian who is a friend. That our faith comes first in all that we do. And that we're ready. Ready for the harvest to accept what he has for us. If you're here today, let go of those things. If you're watching online, let go of those things that hold you back and keep us close to him. Lord, we thank you. We glorify you. We honor you. And we praise you now in Jesus' most precious and holy name. Amen and amen. Listen, the altar is open. If you want to come and let go of those things and give those things to God, let today be that day.
struggling with schedules and busyness and all of those things, guess what? Jesus is going to make that way. All we have to do is let him. All we have to do is say, Lord, make a way for me where there seems to be no way. You'll make those ways. Because he does. I promise you, he always will. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the ways that you make for us. How you are the God who changes everything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah that you change everything, Lord. Send us forth from this place to be ready to respond to those that ask us why we are different. Send us forth today with the power to overcome our old self and to put on the new creation that you've given to us. Father, help us to be ready to do your will, to be the ones that change and that share with those around us your kingdom and how wonderful it is. Send us forth from this day, this week, so we can change lives by the power of you inside of us. We give you glory, we give you honor, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you again next week. Thank you.